It's time. We're here. We're back. It's Teams and Kid Phoenix. It's Series 2. We are happy to be back in the studio. Uh, the coronavirus hasn't shut everything down. It shut a lot of things down. But we are back in the studio 3,000 miles apart to give you all the fresh content, takes, all that good stuff that you and our sponsors all appreciate. I am Kid Phoenix. Teebs is here. And we are just so elated to be back for Series 2. That's right. Series 2, not Season 2. We are taking our cues once again from the British. We don't use the metric system, but damn it, we're using series over here, not season. When it comes to television, yes, we're using the metric system. <laughs> oh, man. So, Teams, what have you been up to since our last hiatus? We did the quick, like, Doctor Who hitter. Uh, before, uh, before we get into that, can I just okay. talk about something? What? You, uh, Why are you starting with me already? You released this episode... On February 2nd, 2022. Yeah, I thought it was genius on my part. So it's on 2-2-22. Yeah. Why is that not genius? God, dude. Just why don't you, uh, just take it further. Why don't you just find a pair of twins taking a shit, okay? Then you can have wow. all the twos. Why, why did you go there? Why did you go there? Of all the places you could have gone, you went with, a feces reference involving twins. Like, why did you feel the need to go down that particular stretch of highway? It's like, two, it's two doing a two on two, two, 22. That's is, what that is. This is, this is my brother. I, I willingly podcast with him. I don't know why I do it, but I do it. I, I don't understand why he does these things. I ha I have to be the one for a change that steers this train back onto the track after Teeves has utterly and completely derailed this thing, and we're not even 10 what minutes into me? the damn what podcast. What you oh, you asked me what I've been doing since the last podcast. What I've been doing is I've been, I've been freaking dodging viruses like Dr. Mario, throwing <laughs> reds and blues and yellows out there. <laughs> uh, you and me both. Uh, I have the special added bonus of recording this on the Saturday before 2-2-22. And one of the infamous nor'easters has, has clipped in. So there's about four inches of snow on the ground when I woke up this morning. So had the boots, had the shovel, had to get out there with the salt. Four inches. Four inches. Stop. Is that even snow? Does that even count? Four yes, it inches. counts. I have to get out with the shovel. I got to do the thing. And then I got to put all the salt down. There's two bags of rock salt, like 60 pound bags of rock salt. So whatever I don't use, I'll just be selling rock on the corner. People that aren't um, familiar with cold weather situations might not understand the purpose of putting salt on the, um, on the ground. And the purpose is uh so that nothing will ever grow there ever again despite <laughs> your enemies that's the point <laughs> amongst other things uh number but the number one reason is to demolish your concrete <laughs> to just make it as bad as it can possibly be as, as if the potholes in this town weren't bad enough today's topic shooting right into it you like what I did there? You like the verbiage that I oh used there? Yeah. That was yeah. There you go. Uh, shooting right in to the '80s action movie era. This is the genre that I hold closer than any other genre. It's like Teebs with slasher films. I am the horror guy. I am the action guy. This is going to be extremely fun for me and to watch Teebs squirm at my glee for the next uh, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be squirming, but, um, you know, this is a genre of movies that you are fond of, that I'm aware of. Very much. Uh, before we get started, I think we should uh, do a little... Um, some, a little... Some, some house cleaning or something? A little introductory. So, Merriam-Webster defines... Oh, for Christ's sake an 80s action movie Jesus. is that john where a dude with a lot of oh muscles God. shoots up a bunch of things and things blow up 
So that's what we're going to be talking about. You really went with the Merriam-Webster dictionary. I thought we were over this. I thought we were done with that bit. Not until not until every hacky podcaster stops doing it. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I am not going to get off of that horn. <laughs> that's fair. I I support that. Um, hacky podcasters find a better framing device. Okay. <laughs> world book encyclopedia. Just do that. There's no world book encyclopedia. First of all, not anymore. Anyway. Let's pour some out for the World Book Encyclopedia. Let's pour just a little bit out for the World Book. And uh, the internet, that's the first thing the internet killed. Yeah. That is the very first casualty of the internet. Is is actual encyclopedias in book four. That was a wrap. Before the 80s, obviously there were other decades, obviously. So in the... (laughs) Yes, there were other I realized, decades. The I game. realized what there I just said, decades. and I realized that I should be like verbally pantsed for what I just said. Um, the, the 1960s, in terms of action films, not a whole lot going on aside from like. Well, actually, actually, I think we should probably start going even further back, and let's talk about um, westerns start, which, which is kind of the nucleus for the. Uh, for the genre for the for the genre like if we're going to talk about the dna of this genre then like westerns are like the base nucleotide sequence don't come for me biology nerds i i'm just saying words that i heard nerd i think i think that's right but if i'm wrong like look just let it go all right you know the westerns of the 40s and 50s are kind of very very straightforward here's the good guy here's the bad guy they're good gonna have a shootout. Stuff. Bad guy does bad stuff. They fight. Good guy wins in the end. That's it. Everybody rides off into the sunset. Fifties and sixties, you get a little morally complex, a little bit more morally complex characters like Clint Eastwood and Fistful of Dollars and uh, things like that. Where is Clint Eastwood really good? Is he? I don't know. We don't know. But. Um, but yeah, but that'll bring us that brings us around to the 60s. You also get James Bond starting well, in the 60s. If you're, if you're talking about the 60s, the major component of action films that came about in the 60s is the Bond films and a fellow by the name of Steve McQueen, who, as we're going to talk about it, one of the aspects of what really you need to make an 80s action movie is kind of a charismatic lead character right and that's kind of steve mcqueen in a nutshell oh you could also say the same thing about sean connery when he was cast as james bond the 60s decades there's also a lot of like world war ii and like greco-roman movies like there was the the dirty dozen like people hollywood was still really infatuated with world war ii in the 60s so you got a lot of the like dirty dozen movies like that. Not really to mention, infatuated with it, it. It ended like twenty years before. Uh, the the sixties take abort. <laughs> the sixties. You also had movies like Spartacus and Ben Hur, which our, our father can't go like what a month without watching Ben Hur. Yeah, it's true, but uh, I don't know. See, I we'll get into it later. But yeah, you can talk about um, Spartacus and Ben Hur and things like that, but. Not really much to get into like Spartacus and Ben Hur, they're Greco Roman movies, like they have elements of like drama and action. Like, that's all I really need to say about that. All right, okay. And they were they were popular movies in the 60s. That's really all I had. In the 70s, you still have uh James Bond, but then the the kung fu craze hits with Bruce Lee in the 70s. Also, in the 70s, you get way more moral ambiguity with everything. Yeah, you get Dirty Harry and Death Wish and Bronson Jesus. These kind of characters who are out there doing traditional things that you would see action people doing, but are they necessarily doing them for the right reasons? And are their motives right? The shoot first, ask questions later, people of the 70s. Yes. Yes. Uh, here's I have two questions. The the first, 
most black exploitation movies in the 70s i kind of classify those as action films because a lot of them just oh. they were just they were just action films with black leads and black actors actresses not so much directors but like movies like coffee foxy brown uh black dynamite stuff like that like those are kind of most of those were action movies am i wrong yes but they they have elements of politics in them and race politics that i think make them a a part of a separate conversation i don't know how much they really inform what would happen later with the, the genre I, I do feel like Shaft is an action movie, like a thousand percent. I think it's trying to be a companion piece to movies like Dirty Harry. Ah, okay. I see what you mean. I don't think it's necessarily trying to be its own thing. It's trying to, or it is trying to be its own thing, but what it's saying is Dirty Harry's over here doing this. This is our version mm-hmm. of Dirty Harry that is you know, uh, way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Not just that, just culturally attuned to what the African American experience is, because uh, I don't know how long it's been since any of you, any of you, have seen Dirty Harry, but that movie is mad racist. Yeah, it's 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 pretty racist. Oh, uh, Popeye Doyle too. Popeye Doyle about, too. If we're talking but, about seventies cops and racism and but, moral ambiguity, but we also watched the shit out of the French Connection, the two of us. You watched the shit out of the French Connection. I kind of got over it, but how dare you? Don't know. You are not. No, you jump into this pool with me. Okay. F that. No, I like the French connection. It's fine, but I didn't go ham on it like you did. Okay. Memorizing lines and things. That's debatable. Uh, In the mid late seventies, then the science fiction elements really start to come in. You got movies like Rollerball and then of course, Star Wars in the late seventies. Rollerball. Yes. I got a shout ball really kicked off the science fiction wave. I'm just saying it was 70. That movie was 75. Star Wars was what? 77. Steve has his head down. He can't believe what I just said. Fucking roller ball. Okay. Yeah. Um, Analogically speaking, roller ball was first, but yes, (laughs) there was a renewed interest in the science fiction genre. Due to the strength of films like Rollerball in the late 70s. Listen, when was 2001 A Space Odyssey? Okay, 1969. Oh, well, I feel like a dumbass now. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize, Kubrick, Kubrick stands. I'm sorry. My bad. I'll, mm-hmm. I, I'll apologize for that. Just don't come in my menchies. I apologize. That's it. It's moving respect on. Respect that shit. I respect the Kubrick fans. I'm sorry. I did have a discussion that I wanted to bring up as far as like one particular movie from the 70s. And that movie is Jaws because I have a hard I have a hard time trying to put it in the right classification. Is it an action movie? Is it a horror movie? What is Jaws? Let me clear this up for you. Okay, a lot of people have this problem. All right, cool. Clear this up for you. All right, we're clearing this up. Okay. It is a fishing movie. (laughs) Moving on. It's not moving on. It's not a horror movie. It's not an action movie. It's a fishing movie. It's just the most intense fishing movie ever made. Okay. All All right. That that's all. Jaws is a fishing movie (laughs) up there with classic fishing movies. As oh wait, there aren't any other fishing movies. So let's just don't think of fishing movies. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that right now. Uh, on Golden Pond. Oh my god. Um, there's he's, some fishing in that. He really um, he's really doing this. Uh oh, the perfect storm. That's another fishing movie. Yeah, but that's like the late two. That's like 2001. Okay. Doesn't matter. It's still about fishing. Okay. Um uh Forrest uh, uh, Gump has some big fishing. All right, that, that's enough. That's enough. Steering the train back onto the tracks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The 80s come along. And now we have to, not necessarily have to, but Hollywood kind of changes what an action movie is because, you know, that's just how movies evolve. We want to discuss what is the DNA of an 80s action film. What is the, what, what are the basic characteristics of an 80s action film? Let's talk about that a little bit. So you need 
a charismatic, nearly superheroic lead character. Okay. Does that uh, person have to be larger than life, like a Schwarzenegger or like a Stallone? There, there usually has to be something larger than life about them. If it's personality, if it's physique, if it's martial arts prowess, something they have something that your average dude does not have. Right. Okay. Number two, uh, you need very clear stakes, right? Yes. You need very, very little moral ambiguity. You need. These guys are good. These guys are bad. These guys kill these guys. The simpler, the better. Right. Um, you, you, you need action set pieces in your action movie. I, I would uh, think that's a given. I think that just about sums it up. I mean, that's very loose and that's very like cursory. But I think if you have those elements, you have a, a, a traditional 80s action movie. 80s action movies were always like really simple. So I don't I don't think it is any more complex than that. Right. So right. like if if you're watching, you know, uh Commando or Predator or anything like that, like you know what you're really getting into. Like you're not looking for like the deeper meaning of Commando or Predator because there's really no deeper meaning in any of those movies. It's kind of a it's kind of a throwback to westerns only like the guns are way bigger, the dudes yes. are way bigger. Yes. Um, uh, which would make sense since in the 80s, um, America needed some Viagra because uh, Vietnam had kind of, you know. America uh, took an L for that one. Yeah. Um, Vietnam kind of softened America's freedom boner. And it's just <laughs> like a little bit of, uh, of a jump start there. <laughs> Based off of that, I do agree with you that 48 Hours is probably the first 80s action movie. Because There's another movie we have to discuss that keeps getting brought up a lot, but we can talk about it after you make your 48 Hours point. Eddie Murphy, larger-than-life personality, so that's, so that's one. Mm -hmm. Clear good guy, bad guy scenario. Action set pieces. You want them? 48 Hours got them. There's a, there's a car chase scene with the convertible and a bus driving a city down bus. That's city right. bus driving down the hilly streets of San Francisco. That's right. So it's got all of that. So yeah, 48 hours. First 80s action movie. By the way, you can call me a herb or whatever, but um I'm sure I will at many points this series. There's nothing better than driving around the streets of San Francisco blasting the 48 hour soundtrack. There's really not. It's Much great. Much in, the same, thing. much in the same vein as you can't drive through Beverly Hills without playing Stir It Up by Patti LaBelle. Or Axel F. Or... or... <laughs> All right. What's the movie you were referring to that, like, it, it seems like it gets a little lost in the shuffle there? It doesn't get lost in the shuffle, but we need to discuss whether or not it counts, and that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, mm. So... And I think this is a very important point of distinction. We have to define the action genre as separate from the adventure genre. Okay. I think Raiders is an adventure story, not so much an action. They have a lot of the same elements, but I think in an adventure movie, I think the premise of an action movie is specifically, the goal is specifically to kill those guys. Yeah. In an adventure movie, the goal is to get something, right? Okay. Or a quest. There has to be a quest. That's the, that's the word. That's the word, I think. That's With the... an adventure movie. With an action movie, it's just either uh, they stole my daughter and I'm going to go kill these guys, yep. or I need to go win the Vietnam War for America, so I need to go kill these guys, or I, I need to... I'm from the future, and I have to kill that woman because she's going to wind up killing... All of my guys, uh huh, killing a person or killing a group of people or taking out a particular foe, I think, is part of what makes an action movie an action movie. And also, I think action movies can't happen, they have to be contemporary. 
they can't like a- action I think, movies. I I feel like there has to be a certain level of realism with an action movie. Right. It has to. It, it has to be happening in the contemporary period of the day that it's in. Yeah. Because um, there's a movie. I don't know if we'll talk about it, but there's a movie called Last Man Standing, which is uh, a Rennie Harlan movie. Yes. Yes. Um, Rennie Harlan is a famously well-known action movie director, but it takes place in Prohibition era Chicago-ish. Yeah. And since it's using like modern or since it's using contemporary effects set in Prohibition times, it just feels really weird. I I get what you mean. I, I feel like Raiders has a lot of that going on. Which, not a bad thing, but at the same time, I hear what you're saying as far as, like, trying to distinguish the advan- the action movie from the more fantasy adventure movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I think that, I think quest is the key word. There needs to be, there's some goal that the hero is trying to attain that is not specifically related to killing a bunch of folks. I, I will say, however... Um, there's not a whole lot of action set pieces in it, but in I Raiders? Think, no, 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 no. I'm thinking something else in, entirely. Um, I, I do feel like Labyrinth kind of it, it's it's pretty it's pretty good aside from like not having like the action set pieces. Like you'll have like there's the larger than life character of David Bowie who's on the on the villainous side, right? Which but is he's weird. The, um. I don't think Labyrinth qualifies just because fantasy movies are clearly fantasy movies, right? Right. You can have an action fantasy or you can have an adventure adventure fantasy, but like fantasy is the big umbrella for those. Right. We're, we're, We're talking about movies where action is the big umbrella and you can have action comedies like 48 Hours. Um, you can have action or you can have action science fiction, like which, in my opinion, is the perfect blend of an '80s movie, an '80s action movie. And we kind of need to talk about Escape from New York. Oh yeah, and Assault on Precinct Thirteen, and the impact of John Carpenter on this genre because people tend to leave him out, and I think can't do that. People need to stop doing that. I think John Carpenter's contributions are as much important to the action genre as they are to the horror genre. He usually gets thought of as this horror guy, but no, dude, he's just as much an action guy as he is a horror guy. If you've never seen Escape from New York, which uh, holler at me, I will I will happily pay the rental charges so you can watch it on Amazon Prime. That movie's so fucking good. It is. Um, you might want to think about that. You would be paying for like eight hundred people's rental charges. No, no. Everybody, everybody that wants to watch it, you know what? We'll just have like one giant watch party, and uh, we'll we'll figure it out. But anyway, Escape from New York. I had seen movies like Terminator, Running Man, stuff like that. Movies that were like set in this like dystopian future or whatever. Not so much Terminator, but definitely Running Man. But Escape from New York was trippy because it's New York. And then I could also like see the thought process of the plot was like New York could go so far downhill uh, economically, socially, everything happening in the city just goes bad. And the government just says, well, fuck it, we're just going to use it as a prison now. Like, that's it. Like, that's something I could see happening in my warped, tripped-out brain, but I, I think that movie was very pivotal for my action movie education and experience. There's a subgenre of movies that happens in the late 70s and early ninth and early 80s about... I don't know how else to explain it, except uh, it's the world is turning to shit genre specifically <laughs> new york city is turning to shit as it's a always genre. new york <laughs> um and yeah so that's attack on precinct 13 the warriors 
Escape from New York. Um, Bad Dudes, no. <laughs> there's some other ones in there, like uh, Bronx Warriors 1990. Um, yeah, Bronx Warriors 1990. Um which what? is a movie nobody's fucking ever seen but me. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> why New York though? What? Why is New York always the one out there catching strays? Um, it's just because in the in the early eighties it was re- also Ghostbusters kind of gets caught up into that. Yeah, Ghostbusters is like the last of the New York is turning to shit genre. I feel like we're getting a little bit off track here, but I just wanted to mention John Carpenter in the DNA of it's because John's action movie it's because John Carpenter added science fiction elements to the action film which really hadn't been done yet it's, as far as like the like there's Star Wars that's like a space fantasy kind of thing but then you have Escape from New York which is more of an action science fiction like you have the action elements and then you have science fiction elements on top of it and then that leads into movies like like I said Terminator running man even the predator when you take it from an extraterrestrial standpoint big trouble in little china gets back to the kind of fantasy element a little bit but even that throw that in there mm-hmm. uh again that's about a quest that's about that's about adventure. a quest if we're talking about science fiction though action and science fiction we kind of there's there's one movie that really solidifies and that we've got to talk about it's going to kick off that part of the conversation. I, I mean, it goes without saying what this movie is because uh, Game Over, man. No, we're not talking about that one yet. What? We're talking, we're talking about the Terminator. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Terminator was 84. So the Terminator. The Terminator. The, the Terminator is, very, is one of the first movies to come along that really solidified this blending of action and science fiction and it does it in a very it's like when chocolate meets peanut butter for the first time it's just where are you going with this i'm just saying that it's really great and so sci-fi people begin to uh people begin to think okay science fiction movies don't necessarily have to be these super duper intellectual heady affairs right like 2001 and some of the other ones from the 70s and even up into the 80s kubrick fans are coming at you for that one um star wars did a lot to break the walls down but the terminator is like okay yes action movies and sci-fi movies can firmly go hand in hand together so so much so much goodness and I think it's a I, I think James Cameron did a lot to move and blend the action and science fiction genres together. And I feel like both the Terminator and Aliens are the perfect examples of the blending of both of those genres, even if, if it's own thing. Right. Like James Cameron invented a genre with those two movies, basically. I don't know that he invent. I don't know that he invented it. I would have to say that Carpenter invented the science fiction action genre. Okay, that's subgenre. Fair. But James Cameron definitely. Kobe Bryant didn't invent the turnaround jumper, but he certainly made. He the certainly most perfected out it. of it. Yes, <laughs> he certainly got the most out of it. Yeah. Also, also with John Carpenter, and I know I'm going to kick myself for not remembering what the movie is called, but it's the Carpenter movie with the car. Christine? It, it wouldn't, couldn't that even like classify as like one of those action sci-fi Jones? Uh, if, wait, are, are you talking about Christine, the haunted car? Yeah. I don't think it applies. Okay. I just, we're, we're on this riff about Carpenter and uh, it's, it's, it's really spoiling a future podcast, but that's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just recycle the takes, which is okay. What movie was the marker for just what an 80s action movie was? Like, what's that one movie? Maybe it's, a ha- maybe it's like a, a trio of movies, whatever, to, because of the stars involved. But what movie was that marker where it was just like, holy shit, action movies are different now? Um, so because in my opinion, I would say it's the Terminator. 
Yeah, I was going to say also it's probably Terminator where you realize this is something different from before. Right. And movies after this all start looking like this. There's the Terminator. There's so there's obviously the action, the larger than life people, the, the action set pieces, but then even blended into the Terminator, like there's um, there's multiple quests slash objectives going on. Like the Terminator has his objective, Michael Bean has his objective, Sarah Connor kind of has her own objective, but not until like the end of the film where she's just like, okay, well, I just need to protect myself as an objective. There's much complexity going on in that action movie. And I think, yeah, that's probably the first great 80s action movie. Yes. As, I would agree. As much that, as I as much as I want to say Die Hard is, but Die Hard is 88 and Terminator. Die Hard is different, and Die Hard is at the end of this. And we need when we talk about what when this this particular genre comes to an end, but um we need to talk about another major at, uh, another action hero. We need to talk about another major action hero, and that is John Rambo, who I think really... John Tiberius Rambo. I'm sure that's not his middle name, but whatever. That's what I'm going with. I think really exemplifies the major difference between um, the 70s and the 80s action heroes. So... Yeah. First Blood is a complicated nuanced morally ambiguous movie about that deals with issues of you know post-traumatic stress and like how america treats veterans veterans of of unpopular wars of specifically veterans of unpopular wars was something right. that had not happened before right we had not had a situation really where people came back from war and by and large, everybody was like, uh, we don't give a shit, right? <laughs> and then, first was in 1981. Four years later, after Terminator. Yes. In 1985, First Blood Part Two, Rambo comes out. And then it's like Rambo is a one-man army sent back to single-handedly win the Vietnam War. There's nothing as clear as the shift about what the about shifting from the 70s to the 80s than what happens with the character of John Rambo. Just in a two-movie stretch. In a two-movie stretch. I I do uh, yes, I I love Rambo First Blood, but here here's here's the thing about me. I don't know why this is, but I like First Blood more than I like First Blood Part 2. I don't know what that says about me as this like a uh, worldly yeah, okay. scholar of action films. Of course you I, do, because you're not like 17 years old. <laughs> First Blood is objectively um, a more mature and nuanced and satisfies more of the stuff that I think more sophisticated movie watchers are looking for. I uh, mean, if you just want to watch people, if you just want to watch big guns and stuff getting blown up, then yeah. You no, go just literally and... watch any Michael Bay film at this point. Fuck yeah. It. So with that, after, after mm -hmm. our Rambo discussion, we're going to take a little break, satisfy the sponsors. We'll come back. It's the series premiere of Series 2, the Teeves and Kid Phoenix podcast. It's Teeves and Kid Phoenix versus the 80s action movie era. We're going to be back in Two Shakes of a Lamb's Tale, and we're going to continue this discussion back in a minute. We're back once again. Uh, series two premiere of the Teams of Kid Phoenix podcast. And we're talking about 80s action films. And before we move on to the next portion of our discussion, I did want to ask you this because I just remember that we kind of left them out. Does Rocky fit in? anywhere in the 80s action movie kind of thing this is a tough one because right i would say rocky and rocky 2 no but rocky 3 and 4 absolutely yes okay um 
Um, yeah, it's got a charismatic, well, a somewhat charismatic. I mean, he's charismatic in his own way. Uh, uh Apollo larger is, than life. Apollo is very charismatic and larger than life. Maybe when he's not the hero. When I say charismatic, I don't mean necessarily likable. I just mean Arnold Schwarzenegger is charismatic in the Terminator, but like he's also chaotic you're, evil. You're drawn to it. Yeah. If you're drawn. He's not chaotic evil. We're not you can't be all right. But Arnold and Sly, they kind of epitomized the whole 80s action movie era. It was pretty much those two guys. Those two guys, Mel Gibson. Mel. Um, Jean-Claude was kind of the, Jean-Claude Van Damme was the later part of the 80s. Later guy, kind of a, kind of a successor to Bruce Lee. Kind of. When I yeah, think about Van Damme, I also think of him more of this 90s guy than an 80s guy, if I'm being honest. Just because he's a smaller guy, but he's still like the way that he's poor, the way his characters portrayed, they're not portrayed as as the action figures of the 90s would be portrayed. And we'll get into that. He he has like superhuman martial arts abilities. Right. In every single role that he's like, if Arnold is just super who has a superhuman physique, Van Damme has superhuman martial arts prowess. There's something superhuman about it. With with Arnold, like, he came on screen and he was, like, this big effing dude, like, Conan, the Terminator, Predator. Like, Arnold's run in the 80s is kind of spectacular. Not not even kind of. It's really spectacular. But don't underestimate his charisma. I mean, there were other... There were other like big jack dudes. I mean, Dolph Lundgren tried to do it. Oh and it man, didn't work because you don't have the chops. Conan the Barbarian was eighty two. Arnold even like went to like the comedy route when he did Twins, like and Kindergarten Cop. Of course, that's ninety. But like, I did anybody really think Arnold had like comedic chops? And it kind of speaks to like what you've been saying about like charismatic dudes. Mm-hmm. Or larger than life dudes, however they are larger than life. Even a movie like Red Heat, you know, mm-hmm. like it's him and Belushi, and like you can just see where all that's coming from. Raw Deal, both Conan movies, Red Sonia, just like it's it's all there. He has a lot of it. It's charisma. It's just charisma on a level that like makes some of the more ridiculous things that you're expected to swallow when it comes to some of his characters um palatable you know versus versus stallone where he only had like one kind of like angle like it was john rambo and like that was it john rambo and rocky pretty much that was it unless we're talking about cobra let's not forget about cobra let's not forget about tango and cash oh tango and cash Stallone has charisma. He does. It's just kind of a different... It's more serious. Like, all of his stuff seems more... A lot of his stuff seems more serious than later Schwarzenegger, especially anything after the original Terminator. Yeah. Everything after that is more tongue-in-cheek. Um, that does not really happen for Stallone, I don't think, until Tango and Cash. But Mel Gibson is another one that kind of had that like one kind of that one angle. Uh, th- there's Lethal Weapon, but I feel like even in Mad Max and Beyond Thunderdome, it it really wasn't like too much of a a difference between those two. Or, or, um... or am I wrong? Or am I missing something? Well, Mad Max is a little bit different. I don't think he specifically stands out. I don't think those particularly apply as 80s action movies per se, just because they're part of another subgenre. They're kind of a post-apocalyptic subgenre. But, okay, and the way, and oddly enough, Mad Max does not have any superhuman powers, whereas... Uh, Riggs does have a superhuman power. Are, are you just talking about his shoulder? I'm talking about his superhuman insanity. 
Um, basically, he has the superhuman ability to just do crazy shit no one else would do. Like that's his super. That's Martin Riggs' superpower is doing crazy shit. Uh, we we mentioned Dolph Lundgren, who didn't really do much aside didn't from pan out. didn't didn't work. really pan out. There was the there was that Punisher movie that he did, mm-hmm. which which wasn't great. He was was he the one that played He Man in Masters of the Universe? Uh, he did, in fact. Okay, He Man in Masters of the Universe. Okay, because I always I always forget it was him or some other '80s guy. But yes, it was Dolph Lundgren. Okay, um, Bruce Willis definitely panned out, even if it's just for like the 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 one film in the late '80s. But then he parlayed that into like his '90s action career with like Die Hard two and. Uh, Hudson Hawk and the last Boy Scout and on and on and on down the line. Uh, we have to talk about before we can talk about Bruce Willis, we have to talk about the major shift that happened. We have to talk about what's different about Die Hard. The main thing is that you change kind of the, the hero changes. Instead of having a superpower, he's way more vulnerable and way more like um, possible to get. There, there's moral complexity behind the John McClane. It's not characters. so much. It's not so much moral complexity. I mean, there's kind of a lot going on in Die Hard in general. Uh, Die Hard's really kind of a wrap up to the '80s in gen- Like, just because it's dealing with issues of divorce, of of kind of like the loss of you know what's traditionally thought to be a masculine masculinity. Yeah. Um, you know, fears of America and its place in the world. There's so much going on in there. But the main thing is that Bruce Willis is not super powered. He's a quote unquote regular guy. He's an everyman. Right. Uh, Who's kind of thrust into these situations and it's up to just his wits to figure it out instead of superhuman muscles or insanity or the largest guns conceived by man yes um <laughs> seriously could you could you imagine john mcclain with just like a mini gun tearing through that movie no it doesn't work no it does not work and that's kind of the difference and that's kind of where that's one of the main points of departure from where 80s action movies differ from 90s action movies because in 90s action movies you kind of lose the superhuman aspect of the heroes you still get a couple you still get like total recall in the 90s you still get like terminator 2 um but for the most part you're john mcclain's you're you're uh in your point breaks in I, your i hear what you're saying you have heroes that are fallible and like hurtable die, die hard kind of changed what an action hero could look like not necessarily could look like yes but also um the expectation of mm, yeah Yes, Arnold's at the end of the movie just going to get a, a giant gun and kill everyone to how is this guy going to get out of it? And oh, that was clever. He right. figured that out at the end. So, Could you also say the same thing now that we're talking about this? Could you kind of say the same thing about Martin Riggs a little bit? Again, Riggs always Riggs is not that character. Okay. We always know Riggs is going to be fine because he's going to do something crazy and get out of the thing. <laughs> get out of the situation. He's going to dislocate um, he's going to dislocate his shoulder or he's going to like, I don't know, headbutt some guy to death when when his legs are and arms are tied up. He's just going to headbutt a guy to death. He's got something superhuman about him, whereas John McClane does not. There John are, McClane very much has to try to figure stuff out. There are two other actors that I kind of want to bring up. Uh, one, we kind of hinted at with Escape from New York, and that's Kurt Russell. Uh, Kurt Russell should get some due because, like I said, Big Trouble in Little China worked very well. Uh, Escape from New York obviously worked very well. But then, but then, Eddie Murphy. Jesus Christ. 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, 
those are those are action movies. They're action comedies. But it kind of showed to some people that Eddie could maybe be that like John Everyman action star. The thing, no, Eddie Murphy has a superpower. And the closest contemporary to Eddie Murphy's characters in 48 Hours and Beverly Hills Cop is Bugs Bunny. (laughs) Axel Foley and Reggie Hammond are superhumanly cool and just have an ability to make people do what they want just by talking uh, to such a degree that it 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 constitutes a superpower. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll concede that. That's good. I like that one. He's not foul. I mean, he's not fallible in the same way that John McClane is fallible. Right. He just has a knowledge and a power that he uses to get out of situations that normal humans just do not have. Forty eight hours, Beverly Hills Cop, even the Golden Child. All of that was on display in those three movies. Golden Child, he's a lot closer, but he still has his main his his power. The eighties action movie era is defined by heroes as well as villains. So, when you talk about eighties villainy, I mean, I mean, you know, you could say the the sheriff from Rambo. Or like the Vietnamese people in Rambo Two, okay, the T One Thousand, the Vietnamese people in Rambo Two. Like, come on, they were I, they were minding their own goddamn business. They really were, <laughs> and then just just Rambo just comes out of nowhere and just starts shooting and and slicing and dicing everything. Like they were fine, everybody was fine, just hanging out. Like there there was a certain level of diplomacy that was going back and forth. No, the one captain was like, no, we're sending John Rambo in there. We're getting our people back by any means necessary. The the Predator, Hans Gruber, there's there's a long litany of like Gary Busey and Lethal Weapon. Favorite villain for me, however, it's always and forever gonna be Hans Gruber. Uh that's fine. For me, it's the Terminator. It's fine. I listen. I both answers are very good. I feel I don't think anybody would begrudge either of us. And if you do, then you know what? Come at us. It's fine. Um. Yeah, I think it's the Terminator, just because. Well, Schwarzenegger. I... Schwarzenegger as a villain was like something that really hadn't happened yet right. in in the Conan movies. Like he's the hero, but then seeing Schwarzenegger as this like badass villain uh robot just the police station shootout scenes just fucking incredible yeah between first blood and terminator um police stations were taken police forces were taken Taking a lot, a lot of, of hits yeah they were <laughs> rough no wonder they're out here trying to keep their heads on swivels these days but um <laughs> jesus <laughs> It, it's always going to be Hans Gruber for me just because I the the character I mean Alan Rickman by himself is extremely charismatic and he has a purpose you don't really know what that purpose is until 30 45 minutes into the film you think mm-hmm. he's just holding hostages no he's out here he's out here on this grind trying to make this cash that's what he's doing and he's got his group of friends and they're helping him out. And uh, John McClane kind of fucks up that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, he, he has, he has sort of, he has sort of a moral center. I mean, he, he does, he does shoot Takagi in the head, but I mean, listen, Joe, you could have just opened, you could have just opened the vault. That's all he had to do. Yeah. Did he really have to shoot Takagi in the head though? Nah, probably not. You could have, he could have sent a message, like a, a nice foot wound. That's debatable. Anyway. <laughs> Favorite hero of the 1980s. Uh, Teeves, you already know what mine is, so do I even really need to say it? Okay, so you love, you unapologetically love John McClane. The the fact that, like, he's just this normal dude thrust into a shitty situation, and somehow he comes out on top of it without, like, big muscles or ridiculous guns or rocket launchers or anything like that. That is something that I can seriously get behind because I mean, sometimes we get thrust into like shitty situations, you know, 
like a once in a century pandemic, for example, and just have to see how the hell we can come out of this shit. So, yes, my favorite hero is going to be Axel Foley. Um, Again, cannot cannot begrudge that at all. Um, he's smarter than you. He's faster than you. He's more charismatic than you. And he's yes. black. And, and he's, he's black. black. Very important. Very important characteristic. <laughs> uh, the, the 80s action era also had very good writing and dialogue, which is weird to say. I don't know but... about very good. It, it was good for what it is. I, listen, Shane Black was out here doing his thing. Shane Black was out here writing like half the damn action movies of the 1980s. Like, he was all over that fucking decade. Yeah. And be- between between Predator and Lethal Weapon, some of the most quotable moments of the 1980s are probably in those films. Like, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Right. Um, you've got I'll Be Back. Um, you've got you've got don't fall you've got I don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe. You've got uh you've got the entire torchy scene from 48 hours, just that whole run. Right. <laughs> uh even some stuff from Escape from New York, where it's just like, uh, so what's so what do we do if we can't get the president back? Get a new president. Exactly. <laughs> uh, of course, you have Yippie Kaye, motherfucker, which is probably my favorite mm-hmm. because the the delivery, even from Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman, both deliveries are comical and solid. I'll be back as good, but it, uh, maybe it's just Arnold and him having to play the uncharismatic like robotic style like maybe didn't resonate as much for me as something like yippie kaye motherfucker does that make sense Uh, i get what you're saying but i think only one there's only one answer to this question and game over man i came here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubble gum yes they live <laughs> underrated, under criminally underrated action science fiction film. That that was Carpenter, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was, was Carpenter. Carpenter. Yes, just got John Carpenter. God bless him. Just getting it in in the eighties. Love it. Getting it in. Just getting it in. Moving to the nineties, we kind of saw once again the shift from what eighties action DNA is and what nineties action DNA is. And obviously there are the biggest differences, special effects, the explosions are bigger, the sound effects are better, but there are those movies that still have 80s action DNA in them. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm trying to come up with some like great examples. Um, I, I feel like you definitely have one and I'm probably going to kick myself when you bring it up. We're talking about 90s movies with 80s action DNA? Yeah. Speed's probably the closest. Oh, Um, that's a good one. That's a good one. But again, the 90s becomes... The the movies become so uh, self-aware that um, it gets really hard. What do you mean by self-aware? They know that they're action movies. Okay, all right. They're almost self-parodies. Like... The Rock is almost a self-parody. Con Air and and Face Off is is definitely a self-parody. But that, I, uh, that's the biggest example of it. Um, anything Michael Bay knows it's an action movie. Like let's let's just stop. Michael Bay. If Michael Bay or Jerry Bruckheimer are buying the film, they know it's an action movie, right? So right. But I would have to. I mean, Bad Boys also is super self-aware. Uh, but yeah, probably Point Break or Speed are probably the closest to an 80s action movie. Although still, there's nothing in the 90s that really has a hero with a uh, a superhuman ability. I was going to say like Will Smith kind of fits into the same Eddie Murphy parallel that we brought up a little it's bit. Not, it's not, not the, the same, same level. It's not the same level because... Um, which character are you talking about? Mike uh, Lowry. He's just cooler than 
the Martin Lawrence character. Okay. That's it. But he's not superhumanly cool like <laughs> Axel Foley. <laughs> When when you're speaking about these, like the last '90s movie with '80s action DNA, and I'm getting into like the characteristics, and you saying that they're like not self-aware, I kind of thought about Enemy of the State a little bit because I don't think that movie knows it's an action movie. Is Enemy of the State an action movie though, uh, or is it just a thriller? Yeah. Okay. So now we're getting into like action thriller territory. Thriller, 90s thrillers are a whole different, that's the, if there's a single genre that dominates that decade, the way action kind of dominates what you think about in the 80s, 90s thrillers are like a whole ball game unto themselves. <laughs> like any, a whole sport. Uh, any of the, literally all of the Jack Ryan movies, kind of. Yeah, they're all thrillers. They're all like, um, they are not 80s movies because there is not a clear, these guys are good, these guys are bad, let's oh, go kill okay. these guys. All right, that's fair. They do not have a simple A to B. Uh, it, it, it almost feels like a modern quest, quote unquote. Not quite. I mean... When you're talking about like, not just like, bad guys but like correcting like objectives does that make sense right see that's the thing i can't really get into the dna of a thriller it's something we could probably talk about on a different on, on another podcast but like i'll add it to the list it is very different than the straight up seeing the the the, the stakes being very clear in the thriller movie the stakes are almost never as clear as that right I feel like there's only one way to end this podcast when talking about 80s action films. And that's just to straight up say what our favorite 80s action film is. And I, I kind of want to let Teeves go first because a lot of people are going to know, well, everybody's going to know my pick, but I'm, I'm interested because Teeves talks about the Terminator, but then he also talks about Beverly Hills cop and aliens and everything else. But is it one of those three, or is it like Conan? Is it like Escape from New York? It is definitely between the Terminator and Aliens. And I think I got to give the nod to the Terminator. I think that's what has to happen. I feel like that because of the science fiction elements, because we're, we're both huge science fiction geeks, I feel like that combined with action or whatever film noir, whatever the hell Jimmy Cameron is calling that shit. I, I, I feel like that the uniqueness of that film is what sets it apart. I think so too. I mean, Aliens is great, but it's kind of just a takeoff on war movies. Uh -huh. um, Terminator feels like it's its own thing. Okay, that makes complete and total sense to me. Mm -hmm. And as far as my pick, it's not what you expect. I talk about Die Hard a lot in both my professional life and my private life with you and everybody else. But I said this on a previous podcast, and I believe it, and I am not going back on my word. 1,000% Aliens is the best action movie ever made period end of discussion the war elements that you talked about they're all in there the science fiction element is also in there the larger than life figure of sigourney weaver and the xenomorph queen the clear these are bad dudes i'm a good i'm a good female i gotta go kill these these things we're marines we gotta go kill these things and then also throw a little horror element into that. That, to me, makes Aliens the best action film ever made. Charismatic actors and actresses doing their thing all throughout the movie. Extremely quotable. The action set pieces are in fantastic in ways that I had not seen before. 
and probably weren't rivaled again until the matrix probably so yes aliens hands down my favorite action movie of the 1980s if you disagree with that that's fine but i can almost guarantee that any choice that you would make while i understand it if it's predator if it's if it's the terminator it's fine if it's uh die hard totally understand that if it's lethal weapon totally understand that if it's like commando then maybe we'll have some problems <laughs> well no we won't have any problems commando is pure it is commando is kind of where i draw the line it is a pure action movie i'll even come out here and stand for the running man a little bit a little bit but that just speaks more to Arnold's charis- charisma in that movie. But that's it. We're, we're done talking about the 80s action film era. We're, we're, we're done. I'm going to go and I'm going to watch Aliens. And then you know what? I'm going to watch Die Hard right after that. And I after that, like... I'm going to watch Terminator. And then after that, I'm going to watch Lethal Weapon. And, then, like come, we should... and then come Monday, you're just not going to want to be near me. I feel like we should end this episode with an explosion and then we both need to be smoking a cigar i don't know Um, (laughs) i i I will see what i can do in terms of like uh making that happen i I don't know if that necessarily works through audio the the visual of us smoking cigars after a giant explosion (laughs) but i'll see what i can whip up I'll, i'll get in with the special effects department and see what i can do talk to those guys i'll talk to those guys in the meantime like subscribe listen to the podcast you can listen to us through anchor fm spotify apple podcast we're even on facebook podcast now if you follow if you follow the show on facebook if you like our page all of our podcasts are right there you can listen to them on your phone if you're on your pc then you'll just have to go to either Google Podcast. We're ever we are all over the internet now. We're all over it. All do, over. Do a Google search for Teas and Kid Phoenix versus. Ask a friend who might be listening to the Teas and Kid Phoenix podcast. They will direct you into the right location. That is absolutely right. If you're not listening, it's on you now. Exactly. We We've done <laughs> we, everything we tried. We've to do. done the legwork. We're out there. You just have to find us. We're also on Twitter. You can follow me. I am Kid Phoenix. Follow me at Adob Royster. You can follow Teebs on the on the Twitters at Atiba K. You can follow the show at Teebs and Kid Versus. You can follow us on Instagram. You can't follow us on Snapchat because that just doesn't really make any sense for us. Can't and really. You, and, and you can't follow us on TikTok because we are adults. Because we, we are, are adults. We are grown-ups. Yes, we are off the TikTok. But Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're all there. Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, listen, subscribe, like. You can even leave us reviews on Apple and Facebook podcast. Leave us some reviews. This is our first episode of the series, this series. And if there's something we have the topics that we want to talk about but if you have any ideas some musings feel free all suggestions are welcome we are open to talking about any ridiculous shit that y'all can come up with within reason yes within reason i don't there's a limit yes I don't want to talk about any conspiracies. No, uh-uh, no. None of that nonsense. None of that bullshit. But if you have a pop culture topic that you want to get on about, uh, yeah, I think if I can do it. If it's a silly topic, if it's a silly topic, like so many other silly topics that we've had, that's fine. Something more topical, something more relevant, shoot it at us. We'll see what we can do. That's right. We're we've not done- first... We're not averse to smart topics over here. No, we, just... we did we did a podcast on representation and call out cultural culture last season. We're we're fine with that. I mean, I don't know if we're the guys you want talking to be listening to about that those subjects. Probably Listen, we'll not. Gladly talk about them. We <laughs> will talk about. Them. We will talk about it though. So hit us up, get at us. Until then, Teams and Kid Phoenix, we're gonna get out of here. We'll be back next week. Same day wednesday it won't be as special because it won't be 2 2 22 but still listen to the podcast anyway yeah uh yeah listen 
and tell your friends. That's all we got to say. That's all we have to say. We're going to get out of here. We'll talk to everybody next week. Next week. We'll see you there. Deuces for the Series 2. (laughs) 